0: So we're learning about the church, and we're trying to learn that the church is not an hour on Sunday morning in a particular building, but it's a body, it's a, it's a, it's a family, it's a group of people. And, um, and what's more important than even our gathering, this is just, again, the tip of the iceberg, if I could say it that way, but is our scattering. So if there was a rhythm to church, it would be gather to grow, scatter to serve. If there was a rhythm, it would be gather to grow, scatter to serve. Let's say it together. One, two, three. Gather to. Scatter to. One more time. Gather to. Scatter to. Now, certainly we serve each other when we're here. That's part of what we're celebrating is all the people that are serving you. Just out of the love of their heart. That's it. No. Nothing required. Nothing demanded. Just put their hand up and said, I'll I'll do that. People like their coffee. I'll make coffee. Um... And so we, we, it's an oversimplification, but if I can just use that pattern or that rhythm for a little bit, I'd like to talk a little more about the church. The church is not something that you get credit for, where God's in heaven with a scorecard. The church is not some place you go so that you're, I hate to say it, I know, it's going to be hard on some of you, so that your sins are forgiven. <laughs> They're forgiven. That's, the, that's what grace is about. The church is not a place that you come to impress other people, and it's not a a place you come to be impressed. So I tried in my cumbersome way to find an analogy, I used the analogy of a football team that huddles and then runs the play. Right? And running the play is more important than the huddle, and if you watch much football, there's all different kinds of ways that teams huddle. Um, I even saw one yesterday that I had never seen before. We shouldn't focus on the huddle or the form. That would, the form would be what day of the week we get together, how long it is, do we stand a lot or sit a lot, do we kneel at your church, do they clap a lot or hold hands a lot. Or, those are all fine and things, to discuss, but that's not what's essential. What's essential is that you get it. Oh, Come on, give me a little love. It's essential that you get it, that you get the play. The play is love. That's the play. All right? Now we have these little ways of executing it one way, but that's the play. God said, love one another. God is love. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no doubt about what the play is. So when we leave here, we have to figure out how do I execute that play in my world on Monday morning. That's it. So all I'm calling is the play, and, and then it doesn't really matter what form that we take. The early church says... And in the book of Acts, when they first started writing about the early church, it says they met every day in homes, in the temple courts. Think of it. In their day, it would have been a large town square. It happened to have religious uh, purposes to it uh, because it was a religious community entirely. The temple square would have been the big big surrounding area, the square around the the temple where they worshipped. But you think of it as a big public area and in private homes. The idea of having your own separate building, that, that was, that's a recent phenomenon. They would meet in caves. They met all kinds of places. And then they would go out and share and show God's love to the world. We talked about if Jesus was here to save the world, literally to save the world, not to get us to leave this world, but he was literally to save this world. I called it the sea of selfishness. Right? The world, the world's problems, every problem, my problem, not, not problem, the, the problems that happen to me, but the problems that I'm involved in myself. Anybody getting your own problems going? I got time, sir. All right, you, go. I get, your own, you, you, know, you get your own problem. You know, those, when you start be, the selfishness where I push others away, that, that is a, a, a great way of understanding sin. It's like I'm going to push my will onto you because I want something. So our world is suffering from that, uh, us individuals. And that's what Christ came to save us. When he says save us from our sins, he literally is going to save the world. And so Christ came and then he left. And guess what? He left the job with us. We're it. We're it. Can you believe it? Is it a little scary? Look at the person next to you. I mean, that's what we got to work with. That's it right there. I mean, th- this is the plan. Does God have a sense of humor or what? This is the plan. It's us. We're the church. We are, as Paul said, the body of Christ. So how we, what we're trying to say is the form, when we get together, how we get together, needs to follow the function. It doesn't matter when we meet. God doesn't care. He doesn't care if we meet on Tuesday or Thursday or in a home or in a church or in a warehouse named Building C. He doesn't care. It's not important to him. It's important that you get it. And that we go and run the play. And it's kind of cool because there's so many new forms taking place now. You know, I'm just talking to a couple right over here. They're headed to Florida tomorrow like a lot of you, right? And, uh, uh, and, and, and they're like, we, we'll, we'll, be going, we'll be watching every Sunday. We walk two doors down to my sister's house. She's got it all set up on her TV, and it's Orchard Grove everywhere. And so they have an Orchard Grove microbrewery right down there in Florida, right? A mini, a, a mini version. And this is happening all over. It's happening in San Francisco. It's happening in San Diego. It's happening in Georgia. It's happening all kinds of places all over the world. And there's all kinds of ways and, sh- and, and shapes Many of you met in a home today or or this past week. How many of you met in a home this week with some brothers and sisters? Yeah, you you get together. So it doesn't matter where it is. What matters is that we get it. And when we get together, here's what matters the most when we get together. I think there are a lot of reasons to get together. I really do. And I really downplayed the huddle a few sermons ago because I didn't want you to think that it was just the huddle, that if you showed up to the huddle, you were done. That's how a lot of you grew up. If I could, to- this is one there's a there's a guy of a certain religious background that you would know very well, but I won't say it, but they grew up in a certain religious, bit. he just thought if I could tolerate one hour on Sunday, if I could get through it, I'm done for the week, Check. I mean, I got, I got credit or forgiven or whatever it was. I mean, it was up and down and my knees hurt. And, and once he said, once I, and it was a grueling hour. But if I could get through it, I'm done. How many know that's not the truth? Th- this is just the huddle. It's just the beginning. So I downplayed the huddle, but let me just, if I can, praise the huddle. If I can today elevate the importance of it. Gathering to grow gathering to grow. God wants you and I to grow. No matter what age you are, no matter how long you've been around the church, no matter what you know or what you don't know, God wants you to grow. This is so important. Everybody look here. God wants you to develop into a better version of you than you are right now. And he has plans and purposes and intention for that very thing to happen. For you to be a more humble, compassionate, loving, caring, Christ-centered individual. I'm not here to make you feel like you're never enough. That's not it at all. It's just, here's the thing. We need to stay on the path of growth and maturity. And it's a continual path of continual growth and continual maturity until we become the person that Christ wants us to become. And we're all on a path. And it doesn't matter. This is so important. It doesn't matter where you are. It just matters that you keep growing. It's not for you to look at one person and say, well, why are they so this? Why are they only here? don't worry about anybody else and where anyone else is on their path. This is one of our favorite pastimes, by the way, isn't it? We call it judging, right? And we, this is where they are. In the, that's not my job. It's not my responsibility. What my responsibility is, is to say, where am I? And am I becoming, am I becoming more of that person? And our hope and our prayer is that this gathering, this huddle should affect you in that way. You should meet people. You should hear things. You should be stirred and inspired. In the early church and much of Paul's writings, you see this phrase over and over and over again. And it's this phrase encourage one another, encourage one another, give courage to each other. If I can, for just a minute, I want to read a couple slices from Paul's letters. But in the fourth chapter of Philippians, or, or of Ephesians, this is, listen, it says this, pastors are there to equip the saints. So who are the saints? You. Again, go figure, right? Huh? Anybody sitting near your spouse? Got, you want to... This, this is the pastor's job. Think about this. To equip the saints or works of ministry. So if you grew up in a certain tradition or two, this is totally going to blow your mind. First, you are the ministers, not me. You are the ministers, not me. I did a wedding yesterday for a beautiful couple in our church, and and that's the time when they want the minister, right? And I have to sign paperwork and do all these things. But that's just a modern-day American, you know, Oakland County, substru- you know, that has nothing to do with Scripture. Ready? You are the ministers. It's you. It's you. It's every single one of you. You're a minister. You are a servant of God. And you do it in so many different ways. And you don't wear collars, most of you. And you don't have special titles. And none of that matters. What matters is that you do it. And my job as a pastor is to equip you to do it well. That's my job. You're actually the minister. Ephesians Ephesians 4.12, it says, so that the body of Christ would be built up. So you're encouraging one person and another person's encouraging another person and everyone's doing their gift and together the church is being built up. So what happens if a few of you sit out? Say, oh, Chris, I don't have much to offer. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Everybody has something to offer. I use this example of the boat because we're talking about rowing the boat. And sure, when we pull somebody out of the sea and they're drowning and they're suffering and they're hurting, yes, we have to give them a minute to catch their breath and to revive themselves. But this is so important. Some of you have been sitting out from rowing the boat for so long that you don't give, you don't contribute back. You don't serve your fellow brother or sister here. You show up, you critique, and you leave. Show up, critique, and leave. Show up, critique, and leave. And listen to me. You're dying on the inside. You weren't built to do that. Ask a person in recovery. If you're in recovery, anybody that's in a really strong recovery program, they know this is true. You don't just sit out. You immediately start to give back. You immediately start to help somebody else. You don't sit out and sit out and sit out and say, well, wait till I get myself together. And then, no, you immediately start giving back. There's immediately something that you were built to contribute. It's not good for you to have nothing in your hands because you will get, some, if you don't have an ore in your hand, you'll get something. That's how us humans are. Oh, I got time. You'll get something in your hands. We're just too fidgety. We need something. And so if you aren't rowing the boat, if you aren't building the body, you're going to be building your own empire or building some kind of problem or frustrating your neighbor or do, right? In other words, we have to be doing something. And what this is so important. A lot of people go, no, it's not for me. And I'm telling you, it is for you. Rowing is for everybody. Everybody was built to contribute. When we get together, we have to grow. And to grow, this is vital. I'm going to tell you one key word, one key word that's going to help you if you want to grow. So before I give you the key word, I'm just wondering if you want to. So quick survey. How many of you here are interested in growing? Okay. All right. A few of you. How many of you here? I I want to stay the same. Come on, be honest, a couple of you, I just, no, I have no intention, you can't, you can't admit it. You have no intention of growing. What your intention is, I'm going to stay exactly like I am, I'm going to tell everybody how it is, I'm going to make everybody think like me, I'm not changing a bit. Put your hand up, you know you're there. You want to be there, right? And a couple of you want to go backwards, right? A couple of you just, I want to be worse. No, but hopefully you want to grow. But now I'm going to, I'm going to tell you how. It was one key word, to growing. You have to be open. You have to be open. That's the key word. Open. One, two, three. Open. Open. Closed. Open. Right? Now, closing is is a very natural, normal, defensive posture that most of us take. Um, I got one of these or cards. Tim, can you bring me one? Um, Last week, I I loved it because uh, these were, you guys filled these out last week, right, Tim? They filled these out and and like, I don't know, it's like 100 people filled them out and said, this is what I do, these are my passions. If you didn't, you can. We would love for you to fill one out and drop it in uh, one of the boxes in the back. Because um, it's been very fun. But I read, one, I read them all last week. And one of them I read was, uh, this is my first Sunday, so if you could go easy on me. You know? and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Somebody filled it out their first Sunday here. And I, here's what I would thought to myself when I read it. In a million years, I would never do that myself, right? I had nothing but admiration. Because, sadly, I'm often a, what? Oh, I'm gone. I'm coming for you anyway, man. I come in the back. I'm they, they want my, they're getting my email address, bro. You ain't getting my number. No one's like me, right? There's no one here like me at all. You're not. I, no, I just walked in the room. In other words, the first posture for many of us is what? Closed. I'm not available. But I'm not just talking about our time, our service. I'm talking about something way deeper than that. I'm talking about our mind and our heart closed it goes on in ephesians and it talks about speaking to each other the truth with love and we have an opportunity to grow but only we will grow as much as we are open to growing You and I will only become better as much as we're open to letting God change us and speak to us. And for that to happen, are you ready? You have to start today by admitting you're wrong about a few things. Like, actually, right now, you're wrong about a few things. Can you believe it? You. You. Can you believe it? It's ridiculous, I know. But, like, right now, you're convinced of something and you're wrong about it. It's something that you think about yourself or your neighbor or this or what you know about God or, you know. And there's a few things that right now you're wrong about. Inconceivable. (laughs) Am I right? How would you ever go past this? The only way, there's only one way and you have to be open. You just have to, so open, there are other ways of thinking about it. It's like being soft. Let's talk to the guys for a minute? Because, I mean, no, no, it's just, we might as well. I mean, because this, this is what, this is the opposite of what we're taught. Don't ever be soft. Be tough, be hard, be right, be firm, be bold, right? That's the way, that's the position, come in with a position of strength Always. So along comes Jesus, right? And you read in like in Philippians two, and it says he humbled himself. He didn't cling to his position as God. He lowered himself. All the stuff that Jesus did was kind of the opposite. But in fact, when we study it, we realize that he was the most courageous person perhaps ever, because he was open. So you start to read about the church, and this is what it says. In the church, they started to share their lives with each other. Now, fast forward. It's 2017, and it's the United States of America, and it's like, I'm, I'm just going in to get my church on, and I'm going home, you know? I might go to that orchard grove. I, you know, I heard a couple of things. Uh, yeah, I might go over there. You know, you can have your coffee in there. I'm going to start going there. I'm going to get my Jesus on with my coffee. Right? I'm not sharing my life with anybody. I'm not opening my soul. I'm not opening myself. I'm not ever going to open my mind. I'm going to get my church on, and I'm going to get out of there. And and, you know, sometimes he makes you feel good. Like, he makes you feel good at the beginning of the week. That's the thing. But I'm not opening myself. That's not what I'm going to do. And I'm just telling you this. You lose. The church, these people, they open their lives to each other. And only only when you open your heart and your mind and your life to other people, and listen to this, you need other people to change. Say, so, no, no, I don't need it. I, I, I've, I've been reading a self-help book, and I got her nailed. No. It can kind of, I mean, you know, some books can kind of get you on a different thinking pattern a little bit. Get, but what you need is someone to just, bam, run into you. Someone to graze you. Someone to cheer for you. Someone to irk you. Mm. Mm. Anybody have one of those growth opportunities before? Huh? I'd be fine if I didn't have any annoying people around. How many of you ever thought your life would be like that? I'd be fine if there weren't any annoying people, right? No, you need all of that. I know, Right? You need all of that. You need all of that to help you become the person that you are meant to become. And as you open yourself, this is so important. Listen very carefully what I'm going to say. You have to, ready, give in to the good. There's good in you. You have to give in to it. Now, for years, I've heard people talk about the opposite. Don't give in to the bad. Don't give in to the bad. The bad is out there. How many have heard this growing up? How many said this to your kids? I think it's all good up to a certain age, right? Don't give in to the bad. Don't give in to the bad. There's bad. They're going to try to pull you in. Stay away from those kids. I know they are bad boys over there in that neighborhood. Said it, done it, heard it, all right? But I want to listen. Listen. Give in to the good. There's good pulling at you. There's good pulling at you. That's just, just let that go. Just let that go. Just. How many know forgiving's hard? Oh, my word. If there was like one verse you just want to take out of the Bible, it would be forgive them. Just be like punish them. Pound them. Wouldn't it? Like if, if you were writing it? No. No. Give them. Love your enemies. I mean, the people, that enemy to me is a person that intentionally tries to hurt me. Listen, give in to the good. It's pulling you. It is pulling you. It's taking a couple of you a little longer than others, right? Because you're like, just give it, just let go. Ready? Open. It's pulling you. Grace is pulling you. Forgiveness is pulling you. Love is pulling you. The Spirit of Christ is pulling you. You just have to give in to it. We worry so much about, don't give in to the bad. Don't give No, no, I'm, I'm telling you, please give in to the good. Please give in to that yearning, that tugging, that pulling. It's, listen, it, it's not about them, the person that you're forgiving. It's not about any of that. It's about you being free and full and fully alive and fully human. That's what it's about. Why do we gather? We gather because if we get together well, I say that if, we become better people. I want to read. Put a couple of scriptures there I want you to think about, meditate on. Ephesians 4.15 says this. Instead, speaking the truth in love. Now listen, I've heard this I've heard that phrase, those five words, brutalized. So listen here. Before you brutalize them, please look at me. Speaking the truth in love. And this is how people take it. I know the truth, and I'm going to let you know. <laughs> this is, I can't tell you how many times Christians have told me this. I'm going to speak the truth. I'll say it in love, but love is telling it. Anybody? Anybody been in this conversation? But love is telling it. Listen, first of all. How much, first of all, what percentage of the truth do you own? Of what is true, I I know it's true. You you and I, and I'll give you the larger percentage, all right? You know 4% of the truth, I know two. You doubled me. Every day, every day in science, they're blowing our... Are they blowing our minds? Huh? Do you guys read or get out or do you do anything? They're blowing our minds every single... No, they are. Like, did you know this? Did you know this? I mean, who knew Pluto wasn't a planet? I want to take my little ninth grade science test over again. Who knows? They're discovering... What I'm I'm trying to tell you is this. You don't have a corner. I don't have a corner on the truth, right? But this is what it's about. In love, look at this. We grow to become, in every respect, the mature body. So we're trying to grow. The whole idea is to grow. Will this nurture someone towards growth? Here's what I, this is what this, speaking the truth means this. Here's what I've found that's been true for me. If I can let that person, if I can forgive that person, it's helped me. That's speaking the truth in love. If, if, if I can just find the grace to move on from that difficult situation. And then it goes on and says, um, in the next, it says this what you and i are called to do right is to constantly build each other up constantly build each other up now is it true is it true that at times we need a little confrontation to build us up a little offset? yeah it is true right but at the end of the day everybody needs to be built built up and if you close yourself off, you're not going to grow. I want to read a little bit of what Paul wrote. This is in Colossians 3rd chapter, 16th verse. He talks about one of their gatherings. And we've been saying this in the gatherings. They had glad and sincere hearts. And, and it was just the, the heart. You just get the idea of this heart just being open you Ever gone to a place? Let's call it a party or a meeting or, or a mixer of some sort, and everybody was closed off. Can't think. anybody put your hand up. Everybody's closed off. It's just like, how many of us is like, oh my gosh, ah, oh, whack whack. Anybody just, no, I mean it's brutal. And then either someone will enter the room or something will happen, and boom, people just start to open up, and you're like, oh, thank God that person showed up. Right? Change of the atmosphere. Other hand, you've you've been in a you've been in a, a room or a situation or a party or a mixer, and everybody was open. Oh, how much fun is that? It's like, oh, this is so much better. Everybody's worried, they're closed off, they're worried about being judged, worried about saying too much and not saying, and I don't know, and can I mix with them? And I'm sure they're more important than I am, and I'm sure I'm more important than they are, so I can't and uh, So here's, here's, the, here's the body of Christ. Just open. In Colossians 3, it says this. Uh, Let the message of Christ dwell richly as you teach and admonish each other. then Look at this. Psalms, hymns, and songs singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Do you get the idea that people were just opening their hearts? It was just like singing. How many of you are like non-singers out there? I just, I just watch. I just judge. I'm going to challenge you. I know not everybody's into this. I don't think I'm really a singer per se. I don't think it's anywhere in my wheelhouse of gifts. But I've learned this. If I start to sing, I start to open up. I don't think it's I don't think it's an add-on I don't think it's a throw to I really don't I think something I was listening to this amazing talk from this guy that studied uh, I think it was Juilliard but it was a school like that if it wasn't but he started to talk about how things happen in your body physiologically when you start to sing and open yours think about it something fit huh Next Sunday, the Katinas are going to be here. And they don't do the, please sing along if you want to. They make you sing. How many of you know you're going to be here next Sunday? You're going to be singing. Right? They're going to, hey, put your hands up, right? You're going to be like that. But, but the funny thing is, people always come out and they go, that felt better. Why? Because you were built to open your heart up. And when you do, you can let good things in. And some of you got to just stop closing yourself off to everything. Closing your mind off to learning. Closing your soul off to God. Closing yourself off to others. And the key to growing is you have to open the door. And only you can open it. You can open it or you can close it. But it's safer, right? It's safer to just hold your coffee in your chair. Then, I don't, I don't, I don't have to enter in, as they say. There's, this stuff is not just a add-on, a, a bolt-on. Well, then they sang some songs. No, I think it was a part of the way they did it because they opened their homes. They opened their hearts. They opened their lungs. They shared meals. And, and some of you have been there. And maybe you've been at church, and some of you have been in other places where you've had a spiritual experience at a concert. You, you have. Because you just opened up. When you started singing, you're like, Oh, sweet, Kara. Right? And you're like, <laughs> haven't you have not you you're like, oh, wow. And you went home like, who am I? Who was that person, right? Ba, ba, ba. Hmm? Listen to me. You were meant to be open, not closed. In all the ways, the difference between growing and not growing is, are you open or are you closed? I want somebody to start taking more risks, your mind, what you've always thought, what you've always believed. I did a guy's study the other night to tell him that, you know, the book of Revelations read it four different ways throughout history. And the guys were there to just like hold on to their chairs like, what? I never knew. I never even considered this. Well, yeah, because if you only listen to the same things from the same people, the same channel, the same people, the same, the same, you're not going to. That was easy. I teed that up for you. You're not going to. I got to hear something different.